This episode of Probably Science is brought to you by The Great Courses Plus. For a 30-day free trial, go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. Probably Science. Hello and welcome to Probably Science. My name is Andy Wood. I'm Matt Kirshen. We're here. We're back in the living room. Yep. We're about... I don't know why I said that. We haven't been on the road much recently. <laughs> We are. We haven't been in the living room for we, a week. So I, yeah, I we was. I was not room. in this living room until about half an hour ago. Right. I was in a car heading towards this living room. But we're back. But we are now back. It's like uh, we're back in the same place where we have podcasts together in it's, numerous it's, other occasions. It's like in uh, Everybody by Backstreet Boys when they're like Backstreets Back. I'm like, that's the first song I've heard by you guys. <laughs> what are you back from? Wasn't that their breakout hit? But yeah, but they're you know. <laughs> Or was there something before Backstreet's Back that they're come? I thought they were singing about their back. Oh, okay. This is a song about Backstreet's Back. <laughs> it hurts. It's, it's all right. Yeah. It's all right. Should we introduce... Oh, the sound of my water bottle there. Yeah, that was also the sound of me getting almost certainly a spam phone call. Oh, Do you call it a spam? It. Do you call it a sp- unwanted uh, junk phone call? What's the word? Why can't I think of it now? Bad phone call. There's a word for it. You just made me forget that there's a word for it. <laughs> I've it's also called... made myself forget the word. Yeah. People are shouting it at it. Uh, it's not robocall. It's older than that. Um, I, oh, a telemarketer is the older, but that's not the term for the call, just the person who's making it. Yeah. So it's wrong. Anyway, that's hmm. I've been getting them a lot, and they've all been robot voices. And your phone now says that it thinks it is that? No, but it's an 818 number that I don't recognize that almost certainly is that. And you have an 818? No, but that's LA region. They've started cloning. I've Wait. started getting phone calls. That's the real giveaway. When I get a phone call that is only about four, a few digits off from my phone number. Every, every day I get the first six numbers of my phone as, an, as a phone call. Yeah, and then, and then it's just a robocaller. Like, yep. hello, you've been select. Fuck you. Uh, we should introduce our guest because this is an old friend of mine visiting LA who's both a comic and a scientist. I was like, we've got to make this happen. Uh, my good friend, Ria Lena. Hello. Ria and I started out together. We did many. We did like open mics together. We did competitions together. We did the Edinburgh uh, together. Yeah, we did a package compilation show at the Edinburgh Festival in two thousand and three. Thirteen. Let's call that two thousand (coughs) and thirteen for the sake of, you know, yes. The yeah back in the days where you could actually get paid for doing work. The big value comedy show at. Just the tonics at the... Uh, oh, what was it called? Um, it's changed names now. The, is, ve- the venue isn't even what it used to be called. No, it like Blue Velvet Blue. I know where it is. I know exactly where it is. Yeah. It's the Voodoo Rooms now. It's now the Voodoo Rooms, but it wasn't called that. Anyway, oh. anyway, that was... We did those. And you're, you're here. I'm here. And visiting I'm a friend, an old friend, an even older friend. I'm visiting someone I've known even longer than that. Since yeah. you were a baby. Since I was... I've known this friend longer than I've known my own sister. Because we went to nursery school together. Damn. And then my parents were like, no, we don't like your friends. We'll make you one. And they made another. <laughs> they didn't say that. They didn't hate on two-year-olds. Well, they might have said that. You were, you're too young to remember. It's possible. You might have just internalized that and that's just coming out now. There's a reason I only have one friend from nursery. And that's because my parents <laughs> hated on all the others. And you're over here. You, you hardly slept last night because post-show. She just made were... a baby. She made a baby. She, po- she po- Well, she didn't pop it out. It came out of the sunroof. But... Um, <laughs> But she, so I've come over and having already made my own babies, I came, I said, I'll come and meet your baby and help you because I know what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. How many babies have you, you know made? It? I made three. Three babies. Separately, not together. Oh, okay. One at a time. So now you really know all the rules of babies. 
Like which bits you know you can... what you forget. Like oh, yeah. this is a newborn. There's not a lot to newborns. Mm-hmm. Like wipe them, feed them, put them down, pick them up, wipe them, feed them, put them down. I mean, you got to burp them. Do you have to? Oh yeah, there's some burping. Um, rock them. Oh, so much freaking rocking, so bouncing. Five yeah. things. Yeah, but that's but part no of the... sock em. You rock them, but you don't <laughs> do not sock them. Rock do not no sock them. Sock no sock them. No. Um, yeah, so I came over to share my expertise and gig and see you guys. Are you technically a short-term au pair right now? <laughs> What's the definition? <laughs> if people of an can au pair? see my face, I don't think I even get to the level of au pair. Um, I've never understood. It just means you try to get around some laws or something with a you gotta. Well, au pairs are a proper thing in Europe. Like that's a level of childcare that you can. They have oh. a very defined definition that's different to nanny. I thought, I thought an au pair is just technically a live-in nanny. I thought no, live-in nanny is a live-in nanny. Okay, an au pair exper- doesn't get paid. Oh, okay. In my experience with like knowing people who had them growing up in Michigan, it was always someone from Europe. So I thought it was like they want a free trip to America and you want free childcare. Yeah, I think that's basically the deal. Like you get. you get like a combination of like except you're not sending anybody yeah they get like free accommodation and maybe a little bit of a maybe a sort of little bit of a stipend and some spending money and and food yeah and you get Hopefully. you get child care a and little bit of light housework but they get days off and spousal jealousy right <laughs> only you if you pick them right a couple <laughs> words in german i've had some lovely young male au pairs from Sweden. Really? No. Oh. In my dreams. <laughs> in my dreams. I was like, I'm not sure it's possible. Yeah. In my dreams. In your dreams. Yeah. I live in London. We don't have room for au pairs. I thought you were seeing a room for dreams. We don't have room for children. <laughs> London, where dreams go to die. Yeah. You can have a daydream briefly, but you've got to be doing some other stuff at the same time. Yeah. You can daydream on your commute, as long as you're getting somewhere at the same time as your dreams, but... Actual and, dreaming time is downtime. Come on, move, yeah. move, move. And you must your have your nose in someone else's armpit during that in London. Oh, not because of space, just because it's fun. Yeah. No, well, that is that is the, that is the rule. We don't have the space. We have this. Apparently, there's 10 million people in LA. Does that sound about right? In the entire like, but LA is a sprawl. LA is a right. county. But we have 10 million people in London, and we're not a sprawl. It's not sprawl. We've in we've put well, not the way LA sprawls. I guess, yeah, a few things are. But. I mean, it takes two hours and you get from, you know, top to middle yeah. here. Two hours and you're you're well across London. You might even be into the Midlands. Yeah, I wonder where you started. if you overlaid London. Like, I don't know what that 10 million counts, you know, because if you go east, you can go 100 miles before you're out of any kind of city. I don't know if that is all included in the... Yeah, I don't know whether like sort of Riverside and all that kind of area. stuff, right. I don't know. I, I am not sure. That is the sprawliest, though. So I mean, you have more space here. Like the, this living room that we're in is is probably the size of half my flat, and I'm sure it costs twice, right? Isn't London the most expensive city in the world now? Or not the most, but it's up there. It's, we're, it I'm quite sure in about six weeks we're about to crash and burn. What? What happens in six weeks? Oh well, we just well Brexit Europe, or maybe oh, not. Oh, oh Europe sets sail. I'm not totally. We'll I forgot. I don't know yeah. when this is going out, so I don't know what. Sorry, it'll just be going out pretty it. much very shortly after we record it oh okay great okay so timestamps correct so ria hi let's get into this is a a rare normally we either have a comedian on or a scientist on and every so often there's been a comedian i think we've probably had what four or five episodes where there's been comics who that might be generous i'm not sure yeah there's there's a handful handful of comedic phds and you're you're one of them so let's talk through us yeah then they're around 
They're knocking about. Yeah. There's a few physicists. There's a few biologists. So let's talk through. Okay. I don't know whether to start with your undergrad and stuff or work forward or start with your... What what is your PhD in? Let's do that and then sort of work back as to how you got there. (laughs) Okay. My PhD is in something called viral bioinformatics which bioinformatics is is using technology, usually computer technology, to analyze biological data, whether it's sequence data or structural data or, I mean, it's widely expensive now as to what you can, you know. I, I personally use computer programming to analyze sequence data. So, you know, DNA has sequences um, and I would look at entire genomes of virus viruses specifically herpes viruses and then I would compare them to their hosts uh, and look for similarities to see you know to to draw evolutionary evolutionary conclusions about how related they were who gave who what because you know herpes just isn't it isn't just for Christmas it's for life Uh, and because of the way that herpes enters and stays in the system we wanted to use it for gene therapies and maybe think of it as a means of delivering missing genes in conditions that don't have them because herpes kind of moves in and goes i'm here and i'm staying and so we're like well as long as you're going right to aunt patty's cell would you mind when i bring this good stuff along with you yeah would you bring this protein with you please because she's missing it yeah i think we've talked about that as a news story in the last year or two yeah i think every so often there has there have been stories that have because you would know more about this than i do but i know that there have been some stories that we've covered on this show where at least promising early stages or even later stages of uh, of what you described actually being done trojan horsing uh... yeah gene therapy i mean it's come along i did the phd a while ago so things have moved along greatly and actually my pc i wasn't i wasn't specifically looking at gene therapy I was just trying to understand the relationship between herpes and hosts a little bit better because one of the fascinating fascinating things about the relationship is it goes so far back in time that we, it's a chicken and egg. Who came up with which protein first? Did herpes steal that protein from us or did herpes give us that protein that, that has similar functions? And it's, on, you know, who gave who what is the way that we can figure out how to get herpes to give if it is a giver could be a taker i don't know if it's a bottom i don't know if it's top like that's what i was looking at herpes are you a bottom or a top are you versatile it's you know do you do you take and give at the same time you know can we spit roast you it was Uh, hey spare us the technical talk let's (laughs) let's bring it down to the layperson level for some of our listeners now i don't understand what an eiffel tower is okay doctor um uh but no uh let's pretend let's pretend that they're Let's pretend that there are listeners who don't know how a virus actually uh, creates a protein or how that process... His name's not Andy Wood, but like, let's pretend there's someone listening. Oh, okay. Who, Randy Could. Sure. Yeah. Randy Could is wondering <laughs> yeah, exactly how that virus operates. Not Eiffel Tower, though. Operates. Yeah, he could. If you could back up for an idiot's view of how Backing up. Viruses, beep, beep, yes. beep, beep. Okay. So what's your actual question? What do you well, want to know? I don't do quite understand know? what it is. You're comparing the virus and the host in terms of... Okay, so you want to know what the PhD was studying, or do you want to know the process of just basic? No, viral even when infection? you say, when, I guess what, the process of viral things? infection. Let's start yeah, with that. Sure, yeah. Okay, I well, personally, I got interested in viruses when I was in high school. Um, you know, when, long before we. Knew I think what, we all did. <laughs> yeah, but in different ways. How many? How many viruses can I get off? How many girls? Um, who can I give this to? Um, so I, I was interested in viruses in high school. We did not know when I was in high school that I was autistic. Um, I think there were signs. One of the signs was when they said, what's your favorite animal? I would go, 
a virus. I think that was a huge <laughs> clue. But I was fascinated by the fact that in theory, some viruses, you could put them in a bowl of water and they'll live forever because they don't li- they're a bit, they're, they sort of have a parasitic relationship with with whatever they infect, and that but they don't live on their own. A virus cannot survive on its own. It uses your cellular components to replicate and to live on. It can't, wait. I thought you said it could. Sur- it can. It sits by its. It sits in stasis. It can. It can, in theory, sit in stasis in a bowl of water for a thousand years, and then the moment that it comes into contact with whatever its host is, so the common cold infecting a human, for mm-hmm. example, um, HIV infects humans, uh, SIV infects monkeys. So you can have different species of different viruses that then infect different species of different animals. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was fascinated by that. Th- the whole idea that we had. It was almost the pinnacle of evolution. Now, evolution itself is not directional. I should be make that clear before someone writes in and complains and goes, excuse me. Um, that's one of the huge misconceptions about evolution. And this is one of the things that religious people, will, when they argue against it, will be like, yes, but, you know, God is perfection and evolution is heading in a direction. It's not. <clears throat> evolution is a series of chances and it's a series of, of advantages that were taken in particular environments. And when the environment changes, then the advantages that are taken advantage of change. So we happen to be the way that we are because of a series of environments that our ancestors went through and survived. And so with viruses, for me, it was like a pinnacle because here is, here is this perfect little capsule that granted can't replicate by itself, but can just sit there. And the moment that it comes into contact with you suddenly can unleash all manner of. Right. But it, but it has to come in contact with you. So it's, it's almost the, synthesis of what you're talking about of the environment driving those changes it is the environment being you in the specific case it has it has to live in this relationship with its host and yes but the fact that it's able to do that is what i found it's very sci-fi isn't it it's like it's almost like it's a creature that's come from outer space and invaded our bodies and 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 it's the race between you the host and the virus because if the virus kills you too quickly it won't pass on it needs you to survive long enough to pass it on um Right, and that's assuming it's a virus that is fatal, which many of them aren't. But yeah, for example, yes. Uh, well, well, even you know, if you get a cold in isolation and you stay home alone for a week, that cold isn't being passed to anyone else. But you obviously got it from somewhere, right? But it's you know, it, it's just it's the give and take of those two systems and how they interplay. It, it's the 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 flu virus is another fascinating one. We get we get a flu epidemic. We have historically had flu epidemics every 100 to 150, 200 years uh, throughout. Like We have records of it. The Romans, the Chinese, we can see flu coming and it comes up and it causes huge destruction and then it dies away again. In 1918, the epidemic flu virus of 1918 killed more people than all of World War I did. That was the Spanish was flu? Right, is that what they called it? Uh... I don't know which one it was. Yeah, I don't know its HN number. But, and so we were actually due another big flu epidemic recently. And we saw, and we saw that. We saw bird flu kind of go, oh, bird flu. Oh, and then we kind of contained it. And then we, oh, swine flu. And then we kind of contained it. As as it'll suddenly um, cross the species barrier. As suddenly, you know, it's been been killing birds, killing birds, or killing pigs, killing pigs. And then suddenly someone, you know, a farmer has it. Or, Mm -hmm. you know, someone's... um, 
but or one now, of those prison bird medicine. <laughs> we have medicine that's racing against it as well. So medicine has come in, and we have the flu jab, and you know, and we're, and every year the flu jab is predicted the year before. They sort of look at trying and go, okay, what do we think? is the best combination to put in the flu jab this year just because it's not just one virus with, you know, it's constantly evolving. Right. And every, and some years they're more accurate and effective than others and they, Mm -hmm. they guess better than others. Yes. I've always thought it'd be and interesting. uptake, of course, as well. If you could be right. a fly on the wall and like jump back and forth between the room that's designing that year's flu virus and the room that's deciding the colors for this fall's fashion season. <laughs> you know what? I would Both watch the that show. I would watch that show. I would watch them. Just the scientists, just they're going. How many ends do you think? Do you think? Because you know, like H one N one, and you just go. Let's have. Let's do. Let's do two this year. Two ends. How many H's? I'm feeling let's do four. And then yeah, in the other room, just automy. going yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking salmon. I'm thinking like a salmon pink. So what's what's the disadvantage when they design the flu virus? Sorry, the flu vaccine. What oh, is yeah, the um, virus, meant, yeah. what is the disadvantage to just finding every possible flu out there and then putting the the vaccine for eat or the antibodies for each of those? Do you know how big that fucking needle would be? Is that I mean, the case? Is that, is that so it's just about prioritizing. Uh, no. It, it, um, no, it's about what you're doing with a vaccine is you're, you're, uh, you're running military practice on your immune system. And what you're basically doing is running drills and you're saying, Hey, if you see someone who looks like this, what you going to do? And the antibodies go, we will kill that. Um, and to run those drills for every single flu, like you, I, I don't think your system would actually be able to handle it, even if you're doing it at a, you know, that's like going, we will be running drills for a month. Okay. <laughs> no rest. That's interesting. In the heat. <laughs> I did, it so just wouldn't be, like, you want to be as targeted and as effective as possible because the way the antibodies work is like lock and key. And what you're suggesting is going, why can't we just give your immune system a skeleton key that opens every door? And you go, because it's, it's not going to be. Yeah, or even, yeah. even more than jam. a skeleton key, like one of those old, like, chains with a like jailer's keys with a thousand different keys on it right massive key ring with a uh well because they are they are paired off antibodies pair off with the antigen that they're that they're directed towards it's um so that the key on the on the keychain would kind of go i'm for that door I'm right for that door i might be but, making this analogy too difficult <laughs> <laughs> we've all gone down a rabbit hole but you know it's it's kind of like um yeah, you, the more targeted, the better for you know. So your system could be more efficient at not going, you know, you know, at not going into debrief and going. So we seem to have eaten our own eyeball. Anybody <laughs> right. can tell me about that? We're like, yeah, sorry, it kind of looked like one of the. I thought it was. I thought it was Osama bin Laden, but it wasn't. But you showed me the picture, and I thought, oh, All right, like, no, that, was, that was your eyeball. I have a very um, Osama looking eyeball. I've been told. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it's the beard. Yeah, so, my bearded eyeball. <laughs> uh, so this idea, because I, I remember this is sort of at school level biology, which would be... It's all I remember too. A, decades out of date, and B, at a far simplified level. But I remember even then that sort of the debate being even, do viruses count as one of the categories of living thing? Is cat is a virus life? Because it... <sighs> That's a huge, huge... Because I remember just... I remember, like, the rules for, like, this is what life is. Life is something that respires and reproduces. There's and, five more. And no what... pressure. Is respiration an actual definition of yes, need Yes, there's for life? seven categories. There's seven characteristics that something has to have in order to be 
a living creature. Okay. What's the definition of respiration at the most basic level? Isn't it convert... Fuck. Because it's not breathing. Isn't it converting glucose into energy or converting something? Uh... Well, respiration is taking is taking from your environment, isn't it? Because plants will take CO two to respire. Um, so you will not... breathe in oxygen. A fish will take oxygen from water through. But it's scales. not specifically the breathing part; it's the converting that into energy. In, in and the, it's not isn't specifically it, or is which it? of those compounds either. Obviously, because they're not always the same. So, well, yeah, anaerobic bacteria. So it's just taking something from your environment and putting something different out is the definition of respiration. I guess I could Google this. But yeah, let's Google this. Let's <laughs> Google a definition for our listeners. But Definition of life, first I think, of Yeah, the seven. That would be a solid last but round of trivia question. It's definitely kind of a, a digestion of the environment, isn't it? But digestion is the wrong word as well because you, you do also have to um, imbibe nutrition. That's another one of the seven. So you have to, you have to move respire grow move respire grow reproduce excrete what am i missing move respire grow um divorced beheaded died <laughs> uh, divorced beheaded survived and those are the other um yep. uh, eat prancer dog is metabolism Sleepy. included in one of the, is one of those encapsulated by. I'm looking at the, the, if you, there's a Wikipedia article just for the word life. Um, I have seven here under biology, homeostasis, so regulation of the internal environment to maintain a constant state. Oh, here we go. Uh, here's here's the seven. Yeah, so responsiveness to the environment, growth and change. Response. That's it. Sensitivity. Uh, ability to reproduce. Mm-hmm. Have metabolism and breathe. That's respire. Maintain homeostasis, being made of cells, and what? That's a controversial one. Is that no. The one called organization, because there are that counts out robot life. And passing traits onto offspring is one of them. Wait, is that separate? Here's a different list. Which movement? Which one are you looking at? I'm looking at a different list here. Movement, respiration. Respiration is a chemical reaction that happens within cells to release energy from food. Sensitivity growth, reproduction, excretion, and nutrition. Let's make this even more confusing. Wait, those ones sounded right. Yep. What about homeostasis, organization, metabolism, growth, adaptation, response to stimuli, and reproduction? Adaptation. There we go. Response to stimuli. <laughs> that's but then getting back to what we There's was... a great video that I showed all my kids when we were teaching it in our homeschool. Um, but that was getting back to what we were talking about before. I remember that my cloudy memory... Mm-hmm. Of that being one of the reasons why it's controversial as to whether a virus counts as life or not, because it it doesn't do it, all those things, it, or it doesn't do all those things specifically by itself. Right? Yeah, exactly, it, exactly. It, I mean, I don't think it doesn't respire definitely by any of the definitions that we kind of have found. Um, does it eat? It doesn't really eat. I mean, a virus goes into your cell and uses its the machinery that's already there to reproduce itself and then and then so all it, it, it's, it's a, but that's what's so pure about it that's what's so fascinating about it is that it's purely designed to reproduce itself on a massive scale so even if we don't care that it's if you don't define it as life it doesn't mean that things like evolution still don't still apply to it because it can reproduce no matter how it does it's, it and it, it well can they mutate. do evolve they right. do evolve i mean we you know herpes virus there are eight human herpes viruses they must have come from one 
single ancestor. It's unlikely that you had eight herpes viruses co-evolve together and just go, oh my God, coincidentally, we've ended up the same. Um, but then also every species that we've looked at so far, we have found it has a herpes virus that we've looked in, like zebrafish, zebrafish, sorry, <laughs> zebrafish have a herpes virus. If they're so Frogs. different, what, what is the characteristic of a thing that makes you still categorize it as a herpes virus if they're different from each other? Like, how do you... Is there an well, easy way to answer that question? Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's interesting. One, one of the jobs that I did um, before I became a comedian is I got asked to join the virus data committee on the International Committee for the Taxonomy of Viruses. Oh. So there is an international group that determines... Much like nowadays where we go, we've discovered a new species in the Amazon jungle. You know, people go, yes, we will name it this and this is why we're naming it. Mm -hmm. These are what it shares. And there's a whole taxonomy of life just for the animal kingdom and the plant kingdom. You've got your kingdoms. Yep. And that taxonomy is broken down into subdivisions all the way down to species and we have a similar thing for viruses because there are you know there are uh, double-stranded dna viruses and then you've got rna viruses you've got you know their, their genomes are, are designed differently some of them have a capsid some of them don't their structures differ some of them will have a double lipid membrane some of them don't so you they can be categorized in that way so with Herpes differ viruses. within the family, but still these other characteristics are the same. Yeah. So, you, so with the, the you know with the eight herpes viruses, they're all clearly herpes viruses. The eight all infect humans, but they have a different. They have different genes in them. So that even so, well, different. Not different. I'm sorry. No, let me be more accurate. I'm slightly jet lagged. Not that they have different genes, as in one has one that, but they they have different disease pathologies. Mm -hmm. They work in slightly different ways. They don't infect other species. They only infect, those eight will only infect humans. But How we do still recognize them to be herpes viruses. So when they jump species, is that because of a mutation or? Uh, well, that's what, that's part of what you're looking at is that because we see herpes viruses across all species that we've looked in them, we know that the relationship between herpes viruses and animals has to go way, 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 way far back in time. So, mm -hmm. It could have been there. It could have been there in the primordial soup. It could have been that in the primordial soup, some things joined together, became proteins, and then eventually became unicellular organisms. And other things went, nah, what are you doing with all that? Let's just, let's streamline this shit. And then went viral. So, so is there, is there any kind of consensus on, because again, this is a change from what I learned at school to modern understanding. This has come up on the show a few times. When you're talking about taxonomy, I know that it's no longer as simple as we were taught in school to tell whether something is the same species or a different species and what even counts as speciesization. Whether it's like is not the if they can't reproduce, then they're different yeah. It used species to be that that's or, now like nah, that's not a good hard and fast rule, and it's much more gray area than that. And is is the same happening in the world in world of virus taxonomy, or is it? Mm, that's a good question. That rules? just came up like that's just come up in the last couple of weeks that we're now well, I mean it came it was talked about in the last couple of weeks. I know it's been an issue for a while is that we are having to look at our definition of species because uh, you know the original definition was that they cannot successfully interbreed. So right. 
so that they so a tiger and a lion can have a baby but that baby can't have babies so a liger can't make more ligers and that was always the definition but now we always thought that polar bears and grizzly bears were two different species but they're actually successfully generation upon generation interbreeding because you know global warming and all sorts of changes have meant that we're seeing a crossover up at the top of canada and also just because canada is more tolerant I think they're way more tall. They don't. They don't. They don't see color. They don't yes. see color, and that's what's great. Well, this is coming out on the day that. Uh, <laughs> everyone already knows what happened, or, or they don't. Whatever, Trudeau is in some trouble right now. Yeah, you got You got to drop that into the podcast. You they're can't gonna, just, you can't just hint at by it. By the and time then, this comes out, yeah, I don't. Yeah, even, I, I haven't even seen that. We we'll be through half a news cycle by the time yeah. this comes out. Oh, gonna be it's already changed. Yeah. But um, he'll whitewash so, the whole thing. You know. So what? So when you say there are eight herpes human viruses yeah. and then a bunch and then many, many others or every Forever. hundreds, thousands of other different species, herpes viruses, what about what is it that makes a virus a herpes virus? Like what is the oh, the quality even the quality? <laughs> it's a DNA virus. Um, I was just thinking about this the other day because I was talking about HPV and HPV. I couldn't remember the name. Is it, of the so f- HPV is a herpes virus. No, no, okay. it's it's another DNA double stranded virus, and I was trying to remember what the family it was in, and I didn't get as far as googling it. I don't know. Come on, Andy. You I know, know that there's even more though. Well, I know it stands for. Like, isn't it human shit. papillomavirus? Yes. What I think else there do you are know? way more than eight strains of that one though. I think there's like forty or something, right? Of HPV, there's a number of of different strains of HPV. I know that. I know that they can't. I don't think the vaccine covers all of them, but it covers a range of them. Once you are sexually active, it's well, at least in the UK. So in the UK, they now have a program where they vaccinate all children against HPV and they target them at sort of 12, 13 to try and catch them before they become sexually active. Because once you're sexually active, it's so prevalent now that it's hard to... So there's no point having the... There's if no point having the vaccine age. if you're over a certain age. Well, then I was reading another article where they're withholding it from people over the age of 45 in certain places because they're just, I don't know why they are, but really we should, we should be giving everybody it. Is I there think. any downside to having it then? Why? I mean, besides cost to the, to the person getting the shot, is there any downside or any possible bad thing that could happen? To getting the HPV vaccine? Well, every yeah. vaccine comes with a small amount of risk. Right. And 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 not. I'm not talking about like, oh, you might turn autistic. Not that. Because that's bullshit. Um, and even if you do think that that's the case, uh, as a member of the community, I'm offended that you think that's a problem. <laughs> um, but other things like for example some vaccines are grown in egg albumin or they use egg protein so if you're allergic to eggs then that vaccine's going to that's going to fuck right. you up but not because of the the biological matter that's in there i.e. The, the purpose of the vaccine but because you happen to be allergic to eggs right um so there's always that risk there's always a slight risk that uh you will develop a bad react you know you're supposed to when you get a vaccine you feel a little bit ill maybe a little bit maybe you have a slight fever and then your a bit body of a sore arm a sometimes sore arm and then it goes away especially for the intramusculars you might get a sore arm but some people develop the disease off the back of it they're like i wasn't supposed to get chicken pox and now i got full-blown shingles mm-hmm. um You've got some people who can't have vaccines at all, but that is the whole point 
of vaccinating your population. So within You're talking about people who are like immunocompromised? For example, yes, who can't have the vaccine. And so that is why you're supposed to vaccinate everybody else so that herd immunity, it's called herd immunity. The whole point is, okay, we can only vaccine vaccinate 90% of the population or 95% because there's 5% that for various reasons can't have the vaccine. And then it's just, it's the same. It's called herd immunity because it's the same thing of when a herd surrounds the weaker members of the herd in the middle. Mm-hmm. And they and the stronger ones are on the outside, so that when the, the jackals come or the jaguars come, jackals. No, you'd have to be dead for sure. the jackals. Hyenas? I don't know. Hyenas. Whatever the bad yeah. things are. You know, when the when the bad things surround you, um, then you're protecting your weakest with your strongest. Yeah. And of course, if you don't get enough pickup, so the flu vaccine is another one where the, every year they advertise it, and the you know the old and the young are supposed to have it, but if you don't get enough uptake on it, it still might not work. It, for the population as a whole right my my understanding is with the flu vaccine it generally it can do one of two things it can either prevent you from getting flu but also it, it doesn't obviously eliminate the possibility but also it is meant to i'm already thinking the flu vaccine if you do still get flu it is does make it more likely that you'll get a weaker version of it and recover quicker i wouldn't want to comment on that second one because you know from what i i mean flu is a segmented has a segmented genome which is what the h1n what all the h and the n numbers are so mm-hmm. whereas herpes virus will have a circular genome so so you know think of like a necklace and all the beads are in a chain and in a loop and that's what herpes virus has um dna has segments you know it's like you took that that necklace and you chopped it up into pieces. Oh, okay. So it has a segmented uh, genome. And so just by saying, well, so we've given you, you know, and then you have to kind of predict what segments are going to be in, ah. in that flu vaccine that year. You're going to be like, okay, we think it's going to be these segments and those segments. And you put it together and you try and predict that. So to say that if you have that, that suddenly, what did you say? The second one? It, it's like it can reduce your symptoms if you do end up still getting flu. Well, that makes sense from the point of view of, let's say they nail it exactly and you get a vaccine for exactly the flu that comes out that next year. Then yes, you've already been kind of semi-exposed to it. So you've already got the antibodies that are already charged and ready to go. So the moment you get the exact flu that was predicted, your body's going, we got this, we know this one, boom, go. But you might still get some symptoms for the first few days, but... Well, it should be faster because the first time you come across anything, your whole body is like, you know, they have to go into a meeting room, they got to put the maps out on the table and just be like, what what is this that we're dealing with? Do we want to go in friendly? It's like first encounter. Okay, do 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 all that, What's and the it last takes one time. With, um, Amy Adams, did you watch that one? Oh no, but my my mom did, and then was just like, "Oh, it's really interesting." It's got <laughs> a huge she... twist. It's a little bit I, I mean, whatever. I think I, I think I remember liking that. Is it I vaguely enjoying? That yeah. was her talking as a linguist to a species that communicated in four dimensions. Wasn't that the the concept of it? I mean, if it was that, then obviously it didn't do a good job of. How I you, think that was it. Yeah, it was. Oh, I'm sorry, yes, four dimensions. Yes, meaning, okay, right. Yes, yes. Yeah. Um, but so, then also the, the way that they brought her in was so like, like any movie where they have to recruit like the best of the best. That's just the most over the top. And then it was the helicopter Adams. comes to her house. I mean, just the test that they sort of give her, like the one line test to see if she's worthy. What was the to, test? Uh, I genuinely haven't seen it. I just sort of went. 
Oh, I, 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 I stopped it. it. Amy Karma. Adams as a link. I just couldn't. It's. I remember it being fun. It was a fun enough film. Yeah, I, it's it's trying for a lot. The way Interstellar did, was Will like, Smith in Interstellar it. is like the messages that no. love transcends the universe or whatever. It's like come oh, on. So um, it's a little like no. that. But um, so so do, so circling, anyway. circling back. Um, okay. Like a herpes. Yeah. Genome. So. So a pro- I know without going into too much detail, but so chickenpox and herpes and cold sores and mm-hmm. and Epstein Barr. Let's go in order: one and two, cold sores, genital. Uh huh. Three is chickenpox. Four is Epstein Barr, which is um, what do you call it here? Mono. Oh. I don't know. It was the same family. Oh, five is that is, glandular fever? Yes, glandular okay. fever for the for the Europeans. Sounds like a disco uh, album. Five is cytomegalovirus, <laughs> which you can get when you're immunocompromised. You can also it can also enlarge the spleen. It can also kind of cause a, a, a similar mono. Um, it can also just be a childhood fever that you don't really notice. Mm-hmm. Cytomegalo six and seven childhood fevers that you don't really, you know. Eight is Kaposi's sarcoma, which is one of the markers of AIDS. Mm. So something that often is, uh, what do you call it? Comorbid with, is it comorbid? With HIV. Um, they tra- well, AIDS, AIDS. So if you so if you are HIV positive and you suddenly start presenting with Kaposi's sarcoma, that is a sign that, you're, that you're anti-retro, your antiretroviral, your antiviral regime is failing. Oh, ah. because maybe it's something that a lot of people would express if they had weakened. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, so three, so three is chickenpox. Yes. So is and, th- shingles. and shingles. I was going to say yes, is same th- thing. So that was going to be my question. So that's why you varicella get- zoster, VZV. So what do what is the sort of common physical structure or physical thing that lets scientists know that like chickenpox and cold sores and so on right. are are part of the same thing? And also what's the th- and also lets you know like whatever um, horse herpes or what have you is this is also part of the same is it family or genus or no other species so herpes is herpes simplex so herpes is maybe yeah got it remember how old we all are (laughs) hang on i'm pulling it up for you okay so just just because i i don't want to get it wrong because we also did hiv in my lab um which also has a beautiful capsid so structure of herpes simplex virus is determined well, herpes generally is determined by its structure it's also got a specific genome it's the genome is made up you've got dna and rna in a cell do you know about your nucleotides and stuff mm-hmm. like that sure um so you can have single stranded you can have double stranded which depends on whether you just have one side of the ladder or both sides of the ladder if you've ever remembered double helix it's like a twisted ladder yep and so some viruses only have one half of the ladder rather than both halves. And those are RNA viruses. Uh, I think you can get single-stranded DNA, I think. Don't quote me on that right now. Um, So herpes has an envelope um, on the outside, which not all viruses have. Um, It has a capsid on the inside, which is shaped like, I don't know, it's sort of like, I don't know how to explain the, the shape over the radio. It's shaped. It's like a pill, but with corners. So it's like a little tablet, but you know. But so the the oblongy shape of a pill, but with you know, but as if made out of metal sheeting, like it was in Star Trek. 
You okay. But like not the, metal. The like picture it's not actually that metal. everyone kind of has in their head of a virus having just uh, like all these kush ball things coming off. You don't mean that. You don't mean like the. No, the caps is on the inside, so it, it kind of oh, okay. it surrounds the DNA, so it's inside the envelope. Oh, okay. No, the bits sticking out on the outside are the envelope proteins that help it access a cell. All right. And goes in and attaches, and and then there's different ways of entering a cell. There's different ways of because of the way that the the cell. The cell, well, let's talk about animal cells, the basic structure of the animal cell. And just to be clear, a virus can only enter a cell if it's been invited in. Yeah, and it has no reflection. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Just checking. Yeah. And if you ask it if it's a virus, it <laughs> yeah, has but to it'll tell trick you. you. It it'll trick you. you. It'll totally be like, I got a package. You know. All right. Be, you know, can I leave this? It's for your neighbor. And you'll be like, oh, God, the liver's never in. <laughs> liver's never in. Oh, me, the old kidney has to do all the work. Um, and so, all oh, the metaphors. <laughs> what would we say? So, what, what what makes the structure of specifically a herpes virus compared to a different type of virus? Okay, well, okay, so it's going to be the types of proteins you've got in the envelope. It's going to be whether it has an envelope or not. It's going to be whether it has a capsid or not, which is which is the capsule that encapsulates the D, the DNA or the genome on the inside of the virus, the shape of that, what it's made of whether it exists or not, uh, the genome structure, whether it's, like I said, segmented like a flu virus, whether it's double-stranded, single-stranded, RNA, DNA, so all of these different things. Um, You've probably seen Ebola looks like a key. Do you know when they show you pictures of Ebola? It's a long, thin thing. It's a long, thin rope that kind of twists on itself and looks a little bit like a key. Oh, yeah. That does look familiar or sound familiar. Yeah, I think that's Ebola. <laughs> well, when we're talking about the uh, the genome within a virus, obviously that that conveys yeah, it carries a lot of information. Matt, wouldn't you say? Uh, yeah. Well, this is uh, if you're about to link to the the <laughs> new Great Courses Plus course that we've both started on. I am because yeah, this really does, and I, I it's pure chance that this happened to be the week that we had Rhea on the show so we have a sponsor that okay. we're uh we're big fans of it's called the great courses plus and for a subscription rate you get access to hundreds day are there thousands even i mean there have to be thousands of individual lectures within a course if not thousands of courses yeah there but, are yeah. a huge number of courses given by experts university level experts in all manner of subjects from both the science subjects and arts nice. you take a course in negotiating uh, i just looked that up today nuclear energy pirate wars the human brain history playing all sorts. pirate wars pirate wars i don't know oh, what the pirate, pirate wars, wars. Are, if that's i heard specific... pirate wars and i was like what a whole course just on how they row <laughs> very hard to build or, but no or pirate the, wars or the metals that you get pirates from that's true oh yeah it's hard to distill a pirate out of an or, <laughs> really if is. I'm honest. Oh, oh, are you? I was like, where is... Okay. And it's yeah. not pronounced or. It's R. R. The R in the, in the furnace. <laughs> pirate wars. There were tons of pirate wars, you know, during all of the you know, slave trade and I, I all I thought maybe pirate wars would imply... See, I've got to go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably to get a 30-day free trial so I can watch the Pirate Wars. I would assume it's a bunch of like little individual battles because there aren't pirate armies, right? Everyone's a one-man show with piracy, aren't they? Haven't you seen Pirates of the Caribbean? 
Aren't they? Aren't they all? Aren't they their separate ship that's uh, battling other existing army? I mean, Would there be seventeen Pirates of the Caribbean movies if that's all there was? There's one ship full of cool pirates. If they're cool enough, is it just one ship over all those movies? I like don't it's remember. turning into Fast and Furious. <laughs> but I think like, at a certain point, bad, here's another one. Build up too big of a society doesn't that go against some of the sort of like lone lone wolf pirate ethos i think it's a chicken and egg are they making them walk the plank and then needing more pirates or are there so many pirates that they're making some walk the plank I, <laughs> <laughs> that's a very good question How are we could learn this again if we, we went could, to the great courses plus we could learn all this we are currently andy and i are both currently we've just started on the science of information which uh it takes you through um the abstraction of what information even is through the computer age, oh, wow. but it also talks about, and I just listened to a bit on, well, I was fl- switching between listening to it as a podcast while I was driving and then watching it on my computer when I got home. And then we but, just watched it on my Fire TV once you got here. Yeah. Uh, but we were, uh, but talking about how DNA is uh, information and a self-replicating form of information and the it's science. incredible. Of- that's why a virus is so amazing because at the base of all life is a DNA is is a genome that has the code to everything. That's your library, and a virus is just a traveling library. Which, it's very Doctor Who. And that DNA is is a piece of information that tells that has the information to create a new person, contained within which is the DNA to make another new person. Yes. But not the identical new person, if we're talking people. Yes. Right, right. Uh, and and <laughs> I'm, I'm just getting to grips with that thanks to this new course. Uh, I, I, we, we've had listeners email in telling us how much they're enjoying this sponsor. We're very happy to have them. It's a very cool deal. Uh, like I say, you have access to so many possible lectures given by top professionals who have been chosen not just for their expertise, but for their ability to communicate ideas clearly. Yeah. And they are up to undergraduate level courses. You can use it if you are yourself in academia and want to refresh some knowledge or approach it from a different angle to your lecturers. Or you can just dabble in it if it's something you wanted to learn about, either scientific or historical or geographical or whatever type right, of subject right. you want to cover. And again, these are taught at a college level. Like we were just watching this uh, information, the science of information one today, and they were going through logic gates in the second episode, which is very similar to what we would have done in like the second lecture of a computer engineering class I took in college. Um, and it's also great because you can skip around if there are things you've already learned and you want to go to a certain thing that's... Uh, yeah, you can double back. Right, right. And once again, you have access for the one subscription rate to all of the courses so you can either do a deep dive in something or you can dabble. And that subscription rate for the first month is zero if you use our code. That does sound very good, doesn't it? Thegreatcoursesplus.com slash probably. You will get a free month. There's no reason not to check it out. So do that. Yep. I'm doing that. I'm going to do that. So slash probably. Yep. Yeah, I mean, All right. yeah. Get a free month. You should. It works. Right. it works on your phone, works on your smart TV, works on your computer. I've started watching Introduction to Wines. Oh, really? Because I was always mad I missed that class in college. That was like the hardest one to get into because you could only take okay. it once you turn 21, obviously. And you drank in class. So it was like five minutes within the window <laughs> opening for that class. It would fill up and I forgot to get online fast enough. But you got, had this little like briefcase you brought to class with you that had your own little cups and you'd <laughs> sample wines throughout the class. And I had lots of friends from, I went to like a pretty good school, but I have friends who said that is literally the only class from their Cornell undergrad days that they used in their life. Is <laughs> introduction to wine. I can, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, because 
but you can watch the wine class on Where did the Great you Courses go to Plus. University? This is Cornell. That's what I'm saying. It's not oh, a bad Cornell. school. But um, some people from I went to school, school with said that was the only thing they used. My mom went to NYU. That's also a very good What's school. the name of the river? Is it Cayuga? Um, the Ca- Lake Cayuga. I can't Cayuga. remember. Yes, it's yeah, far it above Cayuga's waters. Okay, yeah. it's, it's part of the far Finger Lakes. Far above Cayuga's waters. How did you know that? Is an awful smell. Oh, okay. It's a good Some will say okay. that it's Cayuga. I'm guessing smell's going to rhyme with. say Cornell. Okay, there it is. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, who has that? Who has the animosity towards them that you learned that? My mom went to NYU. I, again, I didn't know that was a rival of ours. Though. I don't. I, I don't know that they don't rival everyone. If I'm honest, but it was a I mean, song she sang to me as a child, and I've never <laughs> forgotten it. Did she, did she go to medical school? Uh, no, my mother was a physicist, so my medical degree was grossly disappointing to her. No, I'm just fascinated because we're 200 miles away. Like uh, Ithaca is, yeah, a good 200 miles from New York City, where NYU is. Cornell Medical School is in your is in Manhattan. It's amazing that 200 miles away, the stink still do, floats okay, down. So, <laughs> I mean, that's how I bad it was. The, I don't think you appreciate. Was there, a, was there an athletic rival? I just don't know what the nature Maybe, of this rivalry well, would have been. It, it is entirely possible because my mother was was a free thinker, a physicist, physicist, which is of course a very male environment. So she had a lot of boyfriends. So it may have been a boyfriend. She might have met a Cornell guy. No, yeah. it was definitely not a Cornell guy that taught her that song. He had, like, I what's don't across? Even, what's across the water? Well, the Ithaca is across the water. Ithaca, no. Ithaca College, which is Brown? more like no a one of the Ivies. media school. Let's see the, the, Ivies. the Ivies are uh, as eight of them. Brown, Cornell, Brown. Dartmouth, Harvard, Penn, Princeton, Yale. Did I say Dartmouth? Probably. Do you know what's crazy is that that list came off really, really quickly, whereas the seven signs of life, we were all sitting there going, what? Stanford, is Stanford one of them? would have, no, no, it's not like a, it's not like just, that doesn't just mean good schools. It's an actual like conference of. It um, has to be covered in Ivy. Sure. And Cornell, they just they just put out the new U.S. News and World Report, and I shouldn't even look at that. But like, we're the lowest ranked <gasps> Ivy now. Oh, but know. the best wine appreciators. Sure. Yeah. No one yeah. can tell wines apart. Like, it's also like why a Cornell man at this age. It's such a dumb thing that they <laughs> this even, degree that you never use. No, but also and the briefcase like, with all of the glasses. The fact that people get worked up with like the college rankings and stuff. It's like where from person to person, the best college for you would be so dependent on who you are as a person and what you want, you know, as opposed to this dumb, like, aspirational, yeah. you just did, want the highest. Where did it come in the party yeah. school rankings? Right, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, that's what everyone at Cambridge tells everyone else in the UK as well. Oh, it just depends on you, doesn't it? <laughs> it just depends on and what's best for you. Um, so you did, you did, because we jumped way ahead, you did a medical degree. No, I did a pathology degree. Pathology degree, degree mm-hmm. right. So your pathology was your original. So thing my you were going for. my bachelor's was in something called experimental pathology, where I also, um, in the end, did a final project on what I then did my PhD on. Um, so, but experimental pathology was, you know, for the first couple of years, you're just doing biology and the basics of all of that, and and then you specialize into. So pathology itself, there's a pathology department in every hospital, and that's where you test all the tissues, you know, and the blood samples and the poo samples, and, and right. Because that's something that I didn't realize at first. In my head, pathology, when I was younger, pathology to me just meant like autopsies and dead bodies. Yeah, yes, and it's forensic a, pathology. And it took a while to realize that. I can't remember at what point I learned that pathology is also just the people who look at the cell cultures from samples and stuff, blood tip. So physiology is Mm -hmm. the study of the body and how it works, or a system and how it works, and pathology is when that system goes wrong. So that covers all of that. So so a pathology department in a hospital very simply looks at the blood and the 
piss in the that shit makes and all that sense because then pathology the more that? general metaphorical but, sense in which it's used when you're talking about like the pathology of a disaster or the pathology yes. of a it's company when a failure system, it's, the, it's when a system goes wrong and so an experimental pathology is therefore looking at the microbiology of that in a lab it was it, so ex- the experimental bit at the beginning of the title meant that you would take a path into academia and actually do research and look into diseases and then I because I was into viruses specialized in viruses at undergrad level and then off the back of that project got um got offered the PhD to continue the work and you did a master's in between undergrads and no I did the master's after kind of for fun okay (laughs) I had a baby and I got bored at home and I was like I need like I just felt like my brain was atrophying I love it so I went Sudoku or master's yes it's true. It, you know it was it was a year and a half it was it was fun and that was i did that in forensics okay because my other because the other thing i loved as a teenager was forensic pathology like you know dead bodies and all that so i was really into do you have any turns out kind of things you want to drop on us when it comes to forensics because we, we've had a forensic pathologist on the show once Ooh, really yeah do you know turns out here's my here's my close call so when i was doing the forensic degree right at the end i was doing a consultancy with city of london police um and analyzing different forensic collection methods that they were using so as part of that project i would visit different constabularies mm-hmm. um and spend the day with them and see how they recorded crime so i would you know do a ride along essentially and i went down to the isle of wight um i was i was i was scheduled on the day of the isle of wight and to get to the isle of wight you have to take a train all the way down to uh, southampton and then you need to get on a ferry and go across to the island and i got met by the chief of police and he said to me um and bear in mind that i was obsessed with forensic pathology as a teenager and viruses and and all the rest of it and he got off the boat and he said we had a choice of two crime scenes a barn break-in and a body on the beach because you're a woman i figured you didn't want the body on the beach so i've taken the barn one and i just went you've i came all this way for a barn (laughs) break-in i've come all this way to like look at some tool marks on a door and take a footprint off a door and this is the isle of Wight, okay see who stole the rake yeah there's there's 13 people People on the Isle of Wight it, you know I'm just going you don't even need me for this we don't even like we don't have yeah. to do the forensics for this we just need to go where was everybody <laughs> right, at nine right. o'clock where was Jim must have been Jim right see, see who has an extra lawnmower this morning yeah <laughs> that's <laughs> probably and I, so that was that was my near miss now the body on the beach would have been the problem is is that they have to investigate everybody on the beach but they do actually get a lot of bodies on the beach on the Isle of Wight because they do a lot of sea burials off the south coast and a lot of the companies don't do it properly properly is you've got (laughs) i had no idea oh i can't sorry so they do so they do so you can you know people want to get buried at sea and so there are companies that will you know take you out on the boat and you do the funeral on the boat and then they they you know they gently lower the deceased into the water but if you don't weigh the body down properly yeah what is the it usual washes up on the island you suddenly end up in the middle of the festival music festival Right. right so you're on the beach but the thing is is that when you, but but the other flip side of that is that is that when you come across a body on the beach that's been wrapped up and weighted down, it however looks- inappropriately, <laughs> it doesn't look kosher. 
And so you still have to investigate it just in case right. the mafia has also decided to give someone a sea burial. And hasn't done it properly. And hasn't, hasn't but done there it is, there is a protocol. There is a procedure that you're supposed to follow for, like, there is a standardized, I'm guessing, kind of bag or box and kind of way to weight a body and some just aren't doing it correctly? Or what is the standard way to do a burial at sea that's approved and isn't going to... Yeah, I think that I think it's to, it is to make sure that it's you have to tie it properly and weigh it down because as the body decays, of course, if if you haven't tied, you know, like if you've if oh, you've wrapped gonna... them in a sheet, for example, and then tied the yeah, weight to the sheet, I can't believe there's when the standard... sheet floats off, the body can go a different direction. I can't believe there isn't a company who's just making this weighted body bag so you can't mess it up if you're in one of these Acme brand uh, burial at sea body bags. If you have like... to weight the body. But I'm saying like there should be a system for all. It should. But I'm guessing it's not like everyone. Everyone bring two pockets there full is, of pebbles. There, no, no, but that's the problem. Is that there? There is a. <laughs> I'm just wondering what this standardized Where are the thing is going. Yeah. Um, so how how are you? How as you a guest? Big, if you have enough friends, then enough two. So an two open casket. You go of, by the casket. You you insert see, your pebble. Maybe like, if you respect the dead. <laughs> if you respect them, you'll insert the pebble. And yeah. if you don't, you're like, I hope you to two, see you again. No, every, every attendee has two pockets full of pebbles. That's okay. probably like a couple pounds You know the person. attendees don't go in the water with the body. They stay on the boat. I thought they would stay on the boat and walk yeah. past the thing it's not on like the a, gangplank. It's not like a wedding where you throw rice. Okay, okay. You're not like don't chucking pebbles, pebbles over the, the side. That's Burial bag. Yeah. Well, in Jewish funerals, you leave a little stone rather than a flower at the graveside. Do you really? Yeah, that's true. Oh, I didn't know that. Why? Your expression I, made me think it was a joke coming. No, that's that's true. Uh, I think it is because rocks are eternal, whereas flowers flowers are short lived. So it's it's a sort of I I think it's oh. meant to symbolize eternal life. A, a stone is round and lives and survives. But a stone never lived in the first place Ooh. by the seven or exists or exists in a oh, sort of exists. eternal. Okay. I, I believe that is it's something to do with that. It's something connected yeah. with that. I mean, technically, the flower exists forever, just in various just in different states. We'll say, yeah. <laughs> Energy is never created or destroyed; merely changed. I learned that in Interstellar. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, Which no, one's Interstellar? That's the one where love goes between the universes on the bookcase. <laughs> that's the one where McConaughey mm-hmm. goes inside a black hole and then. Ends but up it, in a but it was based book, on a story bookcase. written by originally. Is some good person like Asimov or something? Or oh, Carl Sagan? Did he? Asimov have a, had ghostwriters. Oh, did Sagan have a hand in? I think the original story, and then someone really good as well consulted on it. And I'm trying to remember exactly who it was. But on it was, the movie, yeah, it was a very. They added the love. highly esteemed physicist was involved in consulting and co-writing the story. Yeah, was it someone we had on the show? Maybe no, I okay. think it was someone who has worked or like been the boss of the boss of people we've had on the show. Oh. Wait, I think so you... it might have been one of the... I think it might have been one of the main LIGO guys. Okay. I mean, I get it. It's, these are impossible things to depict on screen. It's just funny when it just ends up being this... If you have a bunch of different libraries, then that's the same as beyond three dimensions. Like, no, they're all still in this three-dimensional space. But anyway, um, wait, we were talking about... So okay. seriously, though, uh, okay. what is the way you're... Do you know the way you're supposed to... Weight down a body bag? Is it just that it's in a well-sealed plastic bag and within that bag there are literally like weights or like, they're not in a casket of some kind that is also like more impenetrable than... Well, no, this is what I'm saying is that I would have no known standard. that knowledge had he not judged me to be a girly girl who oh, can handle her... Oh, you didn't get to go to the body in the No, beach. so what right, I can right. tell you is how to secure a barn. Uh. <laughs> 
but I can't tell you how to weight down a body properly in a sea burial. Um, there is a proper way, and a lot of the companies just go a bit rogue and don't do it properly. Okay. So there is a way. I really want to know what that is now. That's... So Carl Sagan only had passing involvement in Interstellar. Sorry to jump back, but okay. Kip Thorne was the main person who helped. Who got? Uh, was part who, of the Nobel winner? Who, yeah, he was one of the. Uh, yeah, he was one of the Nobel winners for the LIGO. He was one of the three yeah. main founding people of the LIGO project. Uh, got, jump back to a couple of episodes that we've done on LIGO over the years. Yeah. With various other people he, who worked under Kip Thorne. Uh, and so, and he, we, yeah, he was one of the people who helped discover gravity waves, waves basically. Oh. Uh, and he came up or co-wrote the story for Interstellar and pitched it to the producer who works with the Nolans. Okay. I take it all back. It's a uh, b- brilliant... Correct, scientifically correct. <laughs> oh yeah, they all are, aren't they? They're all scientifically correct. We can't pick holes in any of them. Yeah. So, what was your master's thesis actually on? The master's thesis, in the end, was um, it ended up being because I already had the PhD when I arrived, and I was I I arrived at City of London, and the guy just said, "Look, could you help us recommend this particular software?" And I said, "Well, I'll have a look." And so I ended up doing a cross comparison of because because in the UK there's not a they're not unified as to how they record data from crime scenes, which makes passing data between constabularies quite difficult. And we've had some issues with that where someone's committed a crime in one region. And then, you know, I suppose they must have that in the US where if you're in one state and you move to another state. There's no communication or ability to just transfer that information. Right. So so you miss patterns and you miss. Yeah. Yeah. So because of my bioinformatics background and computing background, I ran a uh, a cross comparison and then looked at the options and said, here are the options of what you could be doing instead and trying to convince your neighbors to do the same. Okay. So it it ended up being almost like a data project rather than a forensic. Before that, I did a big project on Fred and Rosemary West. There were two other projects that we did. That, but my big one was external with City Building Police. Um, but the two internal ones, one was just a huge um, a review of... They used a lot of new and interesting forensic techniques with the Fred and Rosemary West case. Those were uh, serial killers the in the UK. The and his wife on Gilligan's Island. I mean, yes, yeah. the serial killers. Yeah. The serial killers, um, which were interesting on... I mean, as a case on so many levels, it was one of those cases where, you know, individually they probably never would have killed they would have done been quite sexually depraved individually but it's that coming together that created the murder duo that they became serial killer synergy but yeah i mean it was mess it was a messed up case really messed up case uh and then the other project was we were set an assignment to create the largest damage possible through a can i say this without getting in trouble um (laughs) the assignment was to, I guess, design a terrorist attack that would have the the biggest impact. Because we were studying, and the course, so to caveat that, not that we were all just sitting there going, who can we kill? But the, we were studying large-scale disasters, and we were studying, you know, things like Chernobyl, and right. what happened, and how could that have been prevented, and how could that have been, uh, you know, uh, ameliorated or, or reduced, right. you know, what went Maybe wrong. that makes sense. To, to, so, if you're trying to defend, you know, if you're... If you're if you're trying to secure a building, for example, the first thing you do is try and work out, how, try and imagine how someone would break into it and pra- 
practice doing that or try doing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like hackers. It's yeah, yeah it's exactly it's sneakers, hackers. Sneakers. sneakers is the movie, right? Yeah, sneakers yeah. where they were hackers and they yeah, they would do all that. So it was the that movie so hackers, was, they were actually shoes. Have you seen that? <laughs> oh, it, yeah. It was a great um that that scene with the flip flops oh, yeah. really gets me. Uh, it really um, something about let's do some soul puns or something. You get it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, uh, so you, I, I'm not going to ask you what the terrorist I mean, attack with come the biggest. On. You could just tell us the genre of attack it would be. Okay, so just to be so we were studying large scale disasters and the the assignment the purpose of it was to try and create the largest one and then okay you work to work backwards. Yeah. Um. I was I was quite annoyed because I got the same score as somebody else. There were a lot of people that made stupid mistakes that I'm just going that that shouldn't count. Like you're a useless terrorist, which is useless student. Let's right. just be clear. So one one girl. So this was before the 2012 Olympics in London, mm-hmm. and so the 2012 Olympics was a lot of people picked that as a target. They're just like I'm going to hit the Olympics. I'm going to hit the Olympics. One girl just printed off most of the website, which at the point that we were doing this masters, which was four years prior in 2008, <laughs> was just it was just nobody. Knew, it wasn't real because four years before the Olympics, London didn't know what it was doing. London was still trying to wrestle homes off of people in East London to build right. the Olympic stadium and. Everything everything else that, that was happening and so, so she's just printing it off and she's like yeah I'm going to release smallpox at the Olympics and I'm going where are you getting smallpox it was supposed to be realistic not yeah. just uh, aliens are going to come down yeah. right you I'll know. fire my ray gun at the uh, president yeah. of earth like, well, so all right, was there a just... budget they gave you I mean nope. seriously it's it was, just what? it was purely it was purely based on the science so the science so of it pretend your money is infinite if you you, you know the expenses yeah. of this so apparently matter. she hired a spy to sneak into Russia steal the last bit of smallpox and sneak out again and then she was going to somehow replicate that enough to release it in an open air environment because she's like I'm going to do it at the marathon at the Olympics or outdoors somewhere during a run and I'm going so if it's windy you're fucked like you're just going to go go fly my pretties and off that smallpox goes and all of that Russian spy knowledge wasted right. so it was just the most ridiculous project and he gave her the same score that he gave me because of how many pages she'd printed off the friggin' website. It was just going, that equals work, right? Right. Yeah. Well, for some poor tree, it did. Uh, oh. So she, she, that was her thing. That's and I the went, terrorism, is the tree <laughs> yeah. killed for. <laughs> the terrorism was just the fact yeah. that she was going to get a degree at the end of it that she didn't <laughs> deserve. Was one of the uh, people's entries just uh, gradually persuade the world that climate change is a myth and. <laughs> And yeah. just kill Slow humans terrorism. off by stealth over the course of a few decades. That's that's genius, isn't it? That's like the most genius project. Yeah, that should did that, anyone come in with just corporate terrorism? <laughs> just yeah, they just walked in and mind and and uh, mind washed us all. But um, no, my so what I did was because um, you had to explain how you got your source. So that's why I was really annoyed that she's like smallpox is so dangerous because we're you know and she's going because we are no longer immune to it. I mean, well, this is another virus that once we eradicate it, a little bit like polio, if you eradicate a virus or you eradicate an illness from the population over a couple of generations, you're going to lose that immunity. You're going to lose the memory of that immunity because you no longer require it. Mm-hmm. So if something comes back, then it can have devastating effects. 
because we no longer vaccinate. This well, we're seeing it already with measles. We're already seeing that with measles is that as the MMR and the uptake of the MMR is dropping, we're seeing a resurgence of measles, which what the reason we came up with the MMR and measles vaccines in the first place was because kids were dying from it. Yeah. Kids die from yeah. measles. It kill you know, back and yes, well, in the eighteen hundreds it was normal for kids to die, but now it isn't. Well the other thing it's interesting you say we're losing the memory of it because I think we're losing the memory of it in both senses. We're losing the yeah. You're you're losing the actual genomic. yeah the genomic memory or whatever the uh, the uh, immuno memory and the mm. uh, but you're also people are losing the memory of how devastating it was. Because yeah. I I got measles as a kid as many kids did. Oh really? Yeah, I, I think I, I was before the vaccine was prevalent was too widespread. Maybe I don't no, know. Maybe I I got vaccinated. Or maybe I just got it, but got a weaker form. But I definitely got measles as a kid. But I it left me with no ill effects. And I think people in my parents' generation remember kids at school getting measles yeah. and being fine. Yeah, and forget that actually the injury rate or the death rate was it was the death rate from measles. It's like one in it's something scarily high. But it's like one in a thousand or maybe even one in 10,000, which sounds low, but then you realize, well, across millions of children, that's actually a large number of kids dying. Yeah. And a large, larger number of them end up with permanent health problems. The risk of death amongst those infected is about 0.2%, but maybe up to 10% in people with malnutrition. That's much, that's higher than I just said. Than you said yeah. Most that's of one those, in 500 yeah. up to... Yeah, and most of those who die from the infection are less than five years old. Mm. So that's a really high rate of death. Yeah. But you don't, but you would generally, I would generally take my chance on most things that have a 499 and 500 chance of going well, except if you have the opportunity to have zero chance, if yeah. you have the opportunity to just not play that game. Yeah. Um, if there's no upside to playing that game at all, which there isn't. Yeah. Exactly. But um, wait, so we were talking about. Now I forgot. Oh, you, you we're want talking to know about your terrorist my, attack. My terrorist oh, yes. attack. I mean, it should be. So, is there some way we should? I'll just, we'll decide afterwards if we should bleep it out or not. But uh, okay, all right. So, I mean, it's not. It's not like it's not going to be easy. No one's going to. If oh, anyone then, okay. listens to sure, this and yeah, just yeah. goes, "Oh, I'm going to do that," like it's not, it's not straightforward. So what I did is I wrote to the World Health Organization and I asked them for some data. They had done a paper on the dispersion of. Um, of bio of a biohazardous material in in a space, mm-hmm. and I needed those calculations. So first of all, I went off and wrote off for that. She didn't do that. She just printed off the website anyway. <laughs> like I, they sent me an original copy of this paper that was no longer. It wasn't on the internet. It was. It was like from the nineteen sixties. Anyway, so I got that. I decided to use plague. But not bubonic plague, which is the one that we all we all when we say plague, we all think of bubonic, which is what happened in London in in 1665, and it gives you the big boils and you die. But plague can also be a respiratory infection, um, and you can get it. You know, if it's aerosolized, you can get it. And plague still exists in rodents in the four corner states here. So I was going to harvest plague from rodents in the four corner states, like rats in the desert and things. Um, and and cultivate that and then release it over an international football game at Wembley because Wembley while open also the shape of Wembley is it's like a bowl with a lip so that it create it has its own invi- it has its external but has its own it has its own atmosphere inside so right. even if there was a wind blowing across the top of it because it's got this closed bowl once you've dropped something down into it it would still disperse and because it was an international football game and because it's a viral 
respiratory infection. So you would infect a certain percentage of that population. And then because they it would take three to five days, they would disperse as far as possible. And it would take three to five days before they start showing symptoms. Then at that point, they think they've just got a cold, that they got off a plane, but they could have also have dispersed it on the plane because all those planes are closed environments um so that you know so that because of the incubation period and because it looks like a cold or a flu Mm. you're going to delay people getting diagnosed as well so there was just that knock-on effect of people going oh i've got the the flu what have i got oh my god some of them will go bubonic some of them you know at some point somebody's going to figure out that people have got the plague but at that point after an international game you've got people dispersed so far around not just the country and right. not just and then, the area. And then by that point, you're not just catching. you're not just who was at this game and who have they come in contact with. You're then like, who have they come in contact with yeah. and who have they come in contact because with. Because of the flights. Um, so that also then brings us back around to what we were talking about before, which is the viruses having a need, obviously with no conscious decision on their part, but like having a need in terms of the way they've evolved to not kill the hosts so quickly that they don't have a chance to reproduce and be passed on yeah that's it you know if you kill too quickly um then the virus kind of dies with it but that's what you're that's what the the battle with ebola is to a certain extent as well well now now it's exciting isn't it ebola because we've got vaccines that look like they're working we just covered that a couple of weeks ago which is um very very exciting uh news because ebola kills quite quickly actually so you can have you know if you isolate somebody with it you could kind of control it but i mean that would be cruel and horrible but you know if you saw someone had it you know they, they do it in the movies all the time don't they right. oh my god you've been bit by a zombie we're gonna have to lock you away and hopefully contain it um so did you win well that's what i'm saying she and i got given joint highest score on oh, that particular oh, right. project <laughs> but, you, like, but you morally won it's a better I, I, terrorist the, the, the whole I, I won You're just hands terrorist. down that her, she wasn't killing nobody like a yeah. couple of people are going to get smallpox but the, most of it was gone in the wind if her spy even got out of Russia with that one last remaining vial of smallpox what was the way you were going to drop the virus over the state uh, drone oh, you okay. know just fly over just fly over and release you know and you think the delivery, the delivery would be... Uh... So that's what I got from the, the WHO, is the WHO gave me the calculation to know exactly how much I had to release in order to make sure that it... it, it because you have to calculate the area of atmosphere inside Wembley I guess they, and then dispersal dispersal rates. They do monitor for drones, so there might be... They do now. They would notice, like, drone goes over and then... And releases something. Releases yeah. something and yeah. maybe then immediately quarantine people. That's what or I was try trying and, to figure out. Yeah, would, would it be visible? It had to be a quantity of liquid that's aerosolized? No, that no, it's just powder. It's powder. powder. So maybe if you had, like... If it's dry, secondary powder, If you, maybe the easiest way to do it is to get, like, a fleet of drones that you've organized yeah. to fly in sync so it looks like a stunt and a fun thing and make them colorful and like yeah. oh look at the drones yeah. and then they have smoke that's coming or like powder that's colored so it's a, like a cool color but then also mixed into that is the uh, what am I doing I'm yeah, actually I know, you were, holy you were shit I'm of, so I'm so I have one to of the most, all that one of the I? most interesting um, <laughs> I'm the worst person right. you there's that the final first. picture the piece to me you have to well the, but that's what I mean rodents in the four corners uh, well well 
we don't edit this out. They're carriers. They're carriers of it. I that's well. That's known. That's not. I'm not giving yeah. away some. Yeah. And I, I think we're safe in that we haven't given any specifics, and it's very unlikely. And also, yeah, it's don't not, do that. Kids. It's not like don't Hollywood, try this at home. It's not like Hollywood movies don't every oh, year yeah. come out Hotel with like stadium. here is how to do an attack that. Yeah. yeah, but also Here's this how to been, torture someone. This, Here's this, how to... this specific thing, like a football stadium attack, I think it was nuclear, though, was the premise of a movie in the 70s, I think. Yeah, it's it's not, a, like, I don't think we're giving any new information. Yeah. It's not like we're telling people yeah, how to do This is not the easiest it. way if you wanted to cause large-scale destruction. No, no. Like, it's, it's fairly elaborate. And you'd also have to write to the WHO and get those calculations yourself, because I'm not sharing them. Sure. And, so. also, and also, really, the... The largest destruction isn't necessarily the goal of a terrorist attack anyway. It's, is it like the head count it's the, isn't the goal. It's the biggest it's the, panic or the biggest... Right, which is... Like, it, imagine if there hadn't been... On the, two, and the biggest anger stoked up. If there hadn't been the two towers hit 15 minutes apart, I think we wouldn't have gone to war. If there had been one tall building in New York one, and the Pentagon and a couple of the things separated, I don't think that the, the American public would have reacted so intensely. And I don't think we would have even gone to Iraq because he wouldn't have had the support of everyone who's mad... Because I think it was the visual of the fact that cameras were on that first bu- building and everyone saw the second plane. Like, it's that visual component. It's not just the, the d- death toll. Because, like, we can, we can, like, we can, like, rationalize numbers of dead when they're just numbers, you know? But when we all saw that second plane hit, that yeah, was the actual... We saw people falling out of the building. Like, it, it was so much more horrific than that. There was so much... I mean, the, just but you don't think the, psycholo- the visual of everyone seeing that second plane hit was I, the extra level of psychological... No, I, I, I think it was I think it was so much more than that. I mean, just the fact that we had heroes on the plane that crashed in the field, but, but knowing they knew they oh, were going to die. No, lo- knowing intellectually, that- all these things are true. I'm just saying the emotional thing of having everyone's cameras trained on the spot to get to see that hit... That probably made this sear into our national consciousness in a way it wouldn't if it hadn't been visual. It had just been stories. You might be you know right. I, mean? I don't know. Or it certainly had an effect. Uh, but yeah. then also the visuals of the people jumping out there. Uh, yes. You know. yeah. Anyway, we've, got, we've gone down a very dark path. So, we this is, we yeah. started off having a lovely conversation about <laughs> herpes. Yeah. And we have. Oh, do you remember those days? The days of herpes. Um, well, you know what? What was the conclusion of your PhD? Oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I had. I had. um, So I did. I did a number of different chapters. One of them was was specifically uh, looking at at evolutionary trees and and you know the close relationships between certain genomes and the host. I like I said. I joined. I was asked to join the committee of the taxonomy of viruses and virus data. And under part of that, a huge part of my PhD was there is something called the gene ontology. And the gene ontology is again an international system. Because what happens is if you discover a protein, you get to name it. So some proteins are like, this protein opens this door, and it's called the door-opening protein. And that's very helpful, because then we can all go, what does that protein do? Oh, it opens doors. Fabulous. But then some people go, I discovered this protein. I'm calling it Jim, because my name is Jim, and I'm amazing. And then you go, what the heck does protein Jim do? And everyone goes, I don't know, but Jim discovered it, and Mm -hmm. Jim named it. So the gene ontology was a way of universalizing uh, understanding of protein function, um, protein um, expression and it was a huge way of labeling all that but the problem was it didn't work for viruses because viruses have their own unique set of proteins that do what they need to do which is break into a cell you know hijack its equipment and then burst itself back out again and so one of the things I did was create the viral ontology to the viral ontology in order that people universally could start to because we were being I was being hampered in my comparison uh, in the first chapter by the fact that I didn't have any kind of universal key that I could use in order to 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 
stand, you know, to, to look at the similarities and differences between what I was finding. So then I kind of went off and created the viral ontology, working with Cambridge uh, University on that. And as far as I'm aware, it's still there. Um, I found a new homolog. Homolog is the name of a protein that you see in two different species that you know are related. So I identified a new homolog, which, which came from my undergraduate work, and I continued that. So that was, that was, there was no, there's no great conclusion. You have to, in, when you do a PhD, you have to kind of prove that you're adding to existing knowledge. So when they go in and test you, they're like, okay, did you do this rigorously? And have you added to what we already know legitimately? Mm-hmm. And so something, I mean, you have to do, and then it has to obviously be through three, four years worth of work. You can't just go, I've, I've, I've found one thing. Right. (laughs) I found protein gym, (laughs) but, and so. So that, that makes sense. I had, I'd never thought about it like that before, but I guess, yeah, in my undergraduate, when I did, I never went past undergrad, but all you're doing still in undergrad is like what you're doing at high school, which is just. Regurgitating. Learning. Yeah. If, if not just if not regurgitating at the very least learning the treading the same path that you don't other people have you've broken new ground to get out of that yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah you're you're learning skill sets at undergrad um a lot of the projects i mean it's great if you discover something new so a lot of um b- b- bachelors and masters projects can often be what are called paper reviews where they set you a task where you're not learning where you're not learning anything new but you're collating existing information that hasn't been collated before that can be considered a legitimate master's project a lot of the people i did my forensics with did just did paper collations where they go okay these people these people these people these people across the planet have all done similar studies but no one's actually gone let's put all that data in one place and see what that tells us mm-hmm. right that makes sense yeah um we should we should wrap up because we talked for a while yes. andy you've got a fun thing there well, that a neighbor well, we, should we I, save we that do, as we always try and do stories oh we should save this should we, well should we should <gasps> we, we maybe save it as like a tantalize and then should we save it as a patreon it? bonus let's do we have one story mm-hmm. here usually stories come from our loyal listeners who email us probably science at gmail.com sometimes they tweet us at probably science uh in this case this was Hi, a loyal this listeners. was a hard copy but do you want of, should we save it for the as a patreon bonus episode? i'm just telling them oh yeah the, the origin of this story is so they'll know if they want to tune in or not so okay Whereas most of our stories come from emails, this was a hard copy left on my windshield. So, oh, wow. That's yeah, a little a, creepy. real science. Some real science. Yeah, but yeah. how do they know via your Twitter slash Gmail what your car is? That's the thing. They didn't. They just wanted to to get enough to people. share some real science with the what world. Do you mean yeah. they didn't. You mean they left this on every single car hoping one of them was yours? <laughs> Well, I'm saying this is a, uh, let's just say this story relies heavily on a, on a technology called voice to skull. So, you know, it's the kind of thing a West Hollywood citizen might spend their time okay. putting on cars around town right? in order to alert the world of a government conspiracy. A well, we'll talk about it in a few okay. seconds. So. Uh, I, I just, because I think there is, if, you, if you're a little confused about this, some of our listeners might be as well. A crazy person left a crazy thing on Andy's car. But I and think we, it's worth reading as a little and bonus. I, and we're going to read it and make fun of it in yes. a bit. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, it, it is the biggest crime done to humanity per this here. printout. So okay. I, I just glanced at it. I haven't read it properly, but I think it's going to be an exciting read. Yes. Uh, but in the meantime, this is this was awesome. I had no idea about so much of the stuff you talked about today. Rhea, where can our listeners find you and your generally less scientific work. Yeah, my my slightly less scientific work is, uh, I'm Rialina, so that's R-I-A-L-I-N-A. So if you type that into Google, I am the first one, I think, that comes up. And then Rialina underscore 
on Instagram and Twitter. Facebook, there's a page. So I'm a, I'm a social media whore. I'm on the, I'm on LinkedIn for goodness sake. If you if you want a business connect, if you want to connect, if you want to connect with Rhea and, and find also, out more about Terrace, completely virtuoso as we saw before the show. I do yes, I do do like um, so on YouTube. If you go on YouTube, there are going to be a number. I do song parodies and original songs, and yeah, I was playing you the. If you have opinions on on what's happening in Alabama, there's a there's a song about that. And they can find that online. We can link they to can that. They can find that on YouTube. We could link to that on probablyscience.com, yes, which is can. where you'll also find our donation button. Thank you very much, our kind donors through PayPal and Patreon. Thank you, everyone who spreads the word, just writes nice things about us on things like Apple Podcasts and various other review places and just tweets and Facebooks about us. We do appreciate all of that. Yes. You can find us at probably science individually at andy t wood and at matt kershen mm-hmm. and facebook slash probably science as well is our facebook page so uh thank you again Rialina, for joining us pleasure thank you for having me misters we'll see you next week bye, bye.